We are going to be looking this morning, Galatians 6, uh, verses 11 through 18. Uh, and, and in the midst of this, we're going to be looking at one of, I think, one of the most astounding and most humbling and most freeing verses in the whole Bible. Is that, is that over the top? Uh, if you believe this verse, it'll change your life. It actually really will. Uh, the Apostle Paul says here to, to open this section, see what large letters I write with my own hand. Now, it was Paul's custom usually as he wrote his letters to have a secretary write the letter. And then at the end, he would sign his signature in his own writing. He might write a sentence or two in his own writing. But here in Galatians, he takes a whole paragraph here and he says, look what large letters I'm writing to you in my own hand. And it's be kind of our way of... Um, Underline, underline, highlight, bold, italic, everything you can think of to do to draw attention to what he's saying. He's saying, pay attention to what I'm about to say. Uh, And we would do well to to pay attention as well, because especially here in in verse 14, he gives us news um, that will lead us to repentance, but that will also show us the way to true freedom. So uh, let's give attention Uh, to these large letters. Galatians 6, verse 11 through 18. See what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus." The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, this is your word, and um, we look to it expectantly, and we pray that you would work now and uh, use your word, and in particular the preaching of your word, to uh, conform us to the very image of Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, Let me find my place here. Uh, Verse 14 again. Verse 14 again. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Uh, John Stott says that this Greek word that's translated boast here carries the idea of boast in, glory in, trust in, Rejoice in, revel in, live for, to boast. He writes, the object of our boast or glory fills our horizons, engrosses our attention, and absorbs our time and energy. In a word, our glory is our obsession. So let me ask you a question then. Boast in. What do you boast in? What do you want people to think of when they think about you? Right? When, when, they have, when they think, oh, Justin Kendrick is, what do you want them to think about you? What's your glory? What is it that you cling to that makes you 
okay that makes you acceptable? What are you most proud of? What defines you? Where do your, where do your thoughts most naturally go? What do, you, what do you boast in? Here's what I want us to do this morning. It's going to be pretty simple. Uh, I want us to look at uh, two objects of boasting. Two things that we can boast in and the, then the effects that boasting in either one of these things will have in our lives. Uh, and here are the two things. This is going to be really simple. Boasting in me and boasting in Jesus. Boasting in me and boasting in Jesus. And then the effects that boasting in me or boasting in Jesus have uh, in our lives. The ripple effects that those have in our lives. Now, <clears throat> this is our last sermon uh, in the book of Galatians. Hold your applause. Um, but, but let me give, let me give a, a, a quick review and, and you all, some of you ought to be able to do this without me by now. Uh, a little, and then a little explanation of the text to lead us into, into to what we're going to look at this morning. The message of the book of Galatians is that we're made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing else. You believe in Jesus, you're made right with God, and then you obey the law. Uh, you, you do God's commandments. That's what Paul was teaching. The false teachers came in after Paul and said, you believe in God, you trust in Jesus, and you do the works of the law. In particular, they were emphasizing the ceremonial law and circumcision. Believe in Jesus and believe in Jesus plus, then you're saved. All right, this is a completely, completely different order. Um, believe in Jesus, you're saved, do the works of the law. Believe in Jesus and do the works of the law, then you're saved. So they're teaching a very uh, different gospel. Even though they included Jesus in their message, uh, what really got you over the top with God and there wound up being your work. And Paul is saying, no, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, that's the book in a nutshell. In verse, <coughs> excuse me, verse 12 and 13, He's wrapping up. And so he's repeating his plea to the Galatians, don't get sucked in by this false teaching. And as he does this, he takes a look at the motives of the false teachers. Now, why is it that they're preaching what they're preaching? So look at, look at verse 12 and, and just the first half right now. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And now skip down to the, the second half of verse 13. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Why are these false teachers so eager that the Galatians be circumcised? Why are they into religion in the first place? It's their boast, it's their glory. Uh, it's their way of saving themselves. Because what are they boasting in? What does the text say? They want to make a good showing. They want to look good. And if they can convert you to their way of thinking, that's even more glory for them. You know, then they can go back to Jerusalem and tell everybody about the converts they have. They can write a newsletter to their supporters and say, we had 150 people uh, were circumcised this week. They came over to our side. They've 
They've seen the light. And so they're boasting in themselves and what they accomplish and boasting in what they've accomplished in bringing people uh, to be circumcised and, and to think and believe as they believe. But see, it's all about them. It's all a boast in, in their flesh and, and what they do and what they can get you to do. Even though Paul adds here, they're boasting in their flesh, but they don't keep the law themselves. Now, stop and think about this for a minute. That kind of is religion. Any religion other than the cross. Uh, any religion other than the cross says you're accepted by God by what you do. When, I'm, when am I accepted? When I do. When I perform good works. But if I'm accepted by what I do, if I'm accepted when I perform good works, then I can boast in that. I, I, I have something uh, to brag about. Religion then is me trying to find something uh, that I can boast about to present to God. It, it's assembling a spiritual resume and handing that to God. I've tried hard. I've done my best. God, let me present this to you. Now, we've got the same problem as the Judaizers. We haven't actually kept the law. We haven't actually done our best. We don't really have anything to boast about. But religion is my attempt to find that. It's my attempt to to, to create something boast-worthy and to present that to God. Let me just ask you to ask yourself that question. Is that what religion uh, is about for you? Is it your effort to create something boastworthy to hand to God in the hopes that he'll accept you? But here's the thing. It's not just religious people that do this. Uh, Religious people aren't the only ones in search of something to boast about. Uh, non-religious people look for things to boast in as well. Listen to what Martin Luther said. He said, Satan in paradise persuaded our first parents that they might, by their own wisdom and power, become like God. Thereafter, everyone went his own way, hoping without the aid of Christ and by his own works to redeem himself from evils and sins. See, here's the thing. Whether you're religious or not religious, all of us sense that there's something off with us, that there's something wrong with us, that there's something not acceptable about us. And we all in our own ways, and there are different ways, but we all in our own ways, and, and by our own efforts, we try to find something about ourselves that we can latch on to and fix up and make presentable so that we can present that to other people so that you'll accept me, so that you'll like me, so that you'll be impressed with me and affirm me. We got any Swamp People fans? Any, everybody, does anybody watch Swamp People? Okay. George's in the nursery. You have to tell him to listen. <laughs> Swamp People, if you don't know, is this show about alligator hunters, a reality show about alligator hunters in the Louisiana swamp. And being reality TV, we're into season two now, so we've got to gin up some conflict between the hunters, even if there's not really any. So we've got to, we've got to, we've got to add that in. And so what, we've decided, what they've decided to do is we're going to find out who is the, the swamp. And the king of the swamp is either going to be uh, Troy Landry and his family, 
Uh, R, it's going to be R.J. and J. Paul. Those are the, the big dog hunters. And so they get them talking about it. And especially when you get, when they get R.J. talking about it, you get the sense that this really is his boast. This really is who he is. This really does define him. And so I went to their website, and not the Swamp People website, but R.J. and J. Paul's website. Uh, I went to their website, and, and on their website, if you go to about the fourth paragraph, uh, he, it says he's devoted to God, he puts God before everything else, he loves his family, and that may all be true, I don't know him. But, but this is how he starts the website. I think it's very revealing. R.J. Molinaire is a Native American, a strong competitor at whatever he does. He is the best arm wrestler at 154 pounds. Maybe 155 you got him. He's the best arm wrestler at 154 pounds and the best alligator hunter at 154 pounds. He is a four-time world champion arm wrestler, 11-time national champion, two-time Arnold Classic arm wrestling champion, and two-time GNC champion. And if I could show you the picture that goes along with this, that would be worth a thousand worlds. Kind of, kind of the bowed up, confident uh, manly man look I'm, I'm a bad man you'd agree with me that this is his boast that this is who I am uh, it, it's, his, it's his functional identity whatever may be true of him spiritually now, and I don't mean to pick on him it's just it's an easy illustration because really I could pick on any of us right uh, we could find plenty of things that we try to make our boast uh, our appearance our success our productivity, the value of what we do, uh, our grades, our sense of humor, our manliness, our coolness, our homes. We, we could go on and on. Uh, the list is pretty limitless. But in religious and in not religious ways, we all try to latch on things, latch on to things to boast about. To, to, to put on our Facebook profile that say, I'm okay. Well, the reality is that we're not, and, and we're grasping at straws. And if people could see what really went on, they could really see the cracks in our foundation. Well, what's the result of this boasting? Whether a religious boasting or a not religious boasting in me. All right? what, what effect does that have in my life when my boast is in me and in something uh, that I do or accomplish? Well, if you feel like you're doing pretty good at it, um, if you feel like you are boastworthy, then you're liable to become very self-righteous and judgmental. You're going to have a much easier time picking out other people's sins than you are um, seeing your own sin. Uh, and the reality is, is that often the sins you yell the loudest about in other people's lives may be the ones that you're secretly struggling with yourself. Uh, what happens if the thing you boast in is threatened? Uh, if other people are, are standing in your way of getting uh, your glory, of getting that thing you have to have, uh, you'll get angry, right? You might even spend your whole life fed up with all the incompetent people that are getting in your way of your glory. Uh, there's another History Channel reality show. You're seeing a pattern here today. Uh, it was called Axemen. And I've actually only watched this once. It was about all I could take. Uh, but this... 
particular episode shows crews in the swamp, and what they're looking for is cypress trees that have either been uh, cut down, and there's a big uh, raft of lumber that they kind of lost in the swamp one time, or maybe they've just fallen in the swamp. And it actually, the stuff actually doesn't rot, which was news to me. And so there are these crews that go out, and they harvest this cypress, and it's worth a lot of money. They basically pull it up out of the water uh, and then sell it. Well, they were following one crew around, and, and, and one of the reasons we couldn't stand the watch anymore is because the father was so angry at his son the whole time. He was screaming at him. He was yelling at him. He was cussing at him. He couldn't do anything right. Just get off my boat. Just go away. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't take this kid, in his eyes, messing everything up over and over again. I'll just do this myself. Well, why was he so mad? Well, his, his boast was threatened. The, the thing that he had to have, his son was standing in the way of what he had to have. If, if you get in the way of what I have to have, if you get in the way of me accomplishing my boast, I'm going to be angry with you. I'm going to push you out of the way. Uh, on the other hand, if I feel that I'm getting in my own way, if I'm the one that's messing things up, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be despondent because I'm my own hindrance to getting glory. And if I feel like fate's getting in my way, as in the stock market crash, then out the window you go. I'm never going to get my boast. See, the, the thing you're trying to boast in, the place you're trying to find glory, the thing you have to have, that's going to control you. That's going to shape you. It really is going to become functionally your salvation. It's going to shape your moods. Uh, it's going to shape the way that you spend your money. It's going, to weigh, it's going to affect the way you treat other people. You know, we take a lot of pride as a nation of being free people, but the reality is, is we're controlled by the things that we are trying to boast in. <clears throat> Y'all probably heard the, the, um, the Penn State scandal was in the news again this week. It's the latest report from uh, the former director of the FBI came out. Um, and before this report, and actually prior to Joe Paterno's death, Joe Paterno had made the statement um, that this is not a football scandal. Talking about the Jerry Sandusky situation, he said this is not a football scandal. Well, after the report came out this week, this is what uh, a guy named Rob Dreher wrote. What eluded Paterno and what is crystal clear from the report is that the quasi-religious reverence with which the football program was held within the culture of the university, and in particular the secular godlike authority granted to Paterno, made this horrifying scandal possible when the perceived good of the institution, Penn State football, is taken as the absolute end to which everything must direct itself. This is what you get. If not for the exaltation of Penn State football, Sandusky wouldn't have had access to his victims. If not for the exaltation of Penn State football, the leadership who discovered his crimes wouldn't have covered them up and turned a blind eye to them. It was the status of football at Penn State that enabled these crimes and their cover-up. To ignore or to deny that is, willfully, is to willfully fail to deal with reality. What was their boast? What was their glory? 
Penn State football. The institution, uh, the idea of, of Penn State itself. And don't any SEC or ACC fans get self-righteous. This could be, this could be anywhere. But their boast, the thing that was vital to them, this idea of Penn State, this idea of Penn State football, that controlled and shaped the decisions that they made about this whole situation. Uh, it shaped their decision so that they were either unwilling or unable uh, to report crimes that would, have that would have reflected poorly on their glory, it would have reflected poorly on their boast, it would have reflected poorly on Penn State. And we, you know, we, we shake our heads at that, but that's exactly why we don't confess our sins. Because for me to confess my sin reflects poorly on my glory, my boast. That's why it's so hard to do to honestly confess what's going on in our hearts. It reflects badly on us, we think. That's boasting in me, and that's the ripple effect that it has in our lives. Well, what's our alternative? Verse 14 again. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The alternative, Paul says, to boasting in me is boasting in the cross. The alternative to relying on my work to make me acceptable to God is relying on the work of Jesus to make me acceptable to God. Uh, the all uh, excuse me the cross is is God saying the reason you feel so unacceptable the reason you're busy trying to create a covering for yourself is that you are unacceptable there is something wrong with you but you can't cover it up you can't fix it uh, where you go to school doesn't fix it. How much you read your Bible doesn't fix it. How cool you are doesn't fix it. How smart you are doesn't fix it. None of those things fix it. Because at the core of what's wrong with you is, is a damaged relationship with your Creator. You're estranged from Him. And the only one who can fix that is His Son. God says the only way that you can be made right and whole again is if my son fixes it. If my son is punished for your crimes. If my son covers you with his glory. You don't create a glory for yourself. If my son covers you with his beauty and his righteousness so that you are beautiful and you are righteous, but it doesn't come from you or anything you've created for yourself, it comes from Him. It doesn't come from how good a parent you are. It doesn't come from how great an athlete you are. It comes from Him. It comes from Jesus. It comes from the cross. And Paul says, I'll boast in that. I'll boast in that, that I am so sinful that the Son of God had to die for me, and yet I am so loved that the Son of God willingly died for me. That's my glory. That's my boast. 
That's my salvation. Boast in me. Boast in the cross. We saw the effects of boasting in me. What happens when I boast in the cross? Let me read it again. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Boasting in the cross will set you free. Uh, the world doesn't have the power over you it once did. You don't have to be beautiful. You don't have to be wonderful. You don't have to be successful or popular. You don't have to wear what the world tells you you're supposed to wear. You don't have to live where the world tells you you've got to live. I don't have to do uh, the religious works to get God to accept me. I'm free. And the thing about it, just, just practical ways that this changes you. When my team loses, this is day-to-day stuff, when my team loses to their heated rival, all right, or when, when my best player goes to play for them, uh, I can be sad without hating the other team, theoretically, um, because... Because that's my boast. Because that's not, that's not my boast. That's not my glory. When I fail at something, I'm not despondent. I'm sad, sure, but I'm not despondent because that's not who I am. That's not my boast. That's not my glory. I don't have to define myself by what other people think about me. When, when, when I preach a sermon... Uh, I can preach a sermon trying actually to help you, not preaching, hoping that you're going to come up and say, that was a good sermon because it's not my boast. It's not my glory. You don't have to live for, look, Dad, I made it. See, I finally, aren't you proud of me? You don't have to live for that any longer. You don't have to go to the class reunion saying, I hope everybody sees how beautiful and smart and wealthy I am. Uh, I can ignore the, the commercials and the TV shows that tell me this is who you need to be. This is what you need to be able to boast in, to be okay, to be happy. Uh, see, if I've, if I've died to trying to find something in me to boast about, and instead... I simply boast in the cross. You see how free that makes you? I'm free from fear. I'm free from having to control everything. I'm free from having to justify my life. I'm free to laugh. I'm free to serve. Uh, I'm free to make mistakes. I don't have to take myself so seriously. I'm free to think about you. Because I'm not caught up in me. I'm caught up in Jesus and in the cross. That's, that's my boast. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to know that you're forgiven? Don't you want to be someone who's not controlled by your fears and your emotions and your circumstances? The invitation is to come to Jesus and to rest in what he's done. Quit, 
quit trying to boast in something that you've done or trying to do and boast simply in the cross. Now, I've, I've, I've got to add here in closing that along with, with freedom and forgiveness and joy, you're going to get a side dish of persecution thrown in with this. Uh, Paul says here that he uh, bears in his body the, the marks of Jesus. And he says the Judaizers, one of their other motives, he says, is the reason you guys are preaching circumcision and the reason you won't preach the cross uh, is because you're afraid of the persecution that comes with that. See, think about it. Generally speaking, your neighbors aren't going to be upset with you if you're a nice moral person who takes the trash out every Friday and keeps the lawn cut. Okay, that's that, they're glad to have you as a neighbor, right? It increases their property value. Uh, if, if you generally do the right thing. But they will have a problem with the cross. Because the, the cross is offensive. The cross says they don't have anything to boast in. It says you don't have anything to boast in. And maybe the cross is offensive to you. Maybe the cross is offensive to you. Don't let the offense of the cross stop you from coming to the one place where you can truly find lasting freedom and lasting joy and real forgiveness. Let me pray for us. Father, we, um, I know I need to confess here um, there are so many things that I try to boast in. Uh, there are so many ways we find to compare ourselves to other people and to elevate ourselves above them. But Father, who are we? Uh, would you free us from that? Would you free us from trying to find something in ourselves to boast in and to learn what it means to, to boast in the cross and to find Find the freedom and joy that comes with that. Uh, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.